0: Hey friends, I'm Jeffrey Rickman. Uh, Plain Spoken is a podcast dedicated to trying to look at the current Methodist setting in kind of like a conservative lens to to help other conservatives understand kind of what's going on and what the bigger picture is. Sometimes I talk about theology, sometimes more culture war or politics stuff. I'm a global Methodist elder, and I came out of the Oklahoma Annual Conference um, now. Uh, I'm still reporting on Oklahoma from time to time. Not a lot of people have asked me to. I think a lot of the uh, Oklahoma churches and clergy that are still in the mix in the United Methodist Church probably aren't really excited about me talking about stuff. It's only after people leave that, um, that they seem to appreciate kind of what I'm doing here. But my hope as I do this, as I talk through this topic, is that it actually is good for conservatives that are still within the tent of the United Methodist Church I think once um, they convince everybody to stop telling the truth and stop bringing things into the light, that's when it's all but guaranteed that churches and uh, individuals are going to get trampled upon. Um, I've I've got a good body of work up till this point talking about what I'm going to talk about here today. I'm not going to recapitulate everything in the nitty-gritty because that would take me hours, but... Um, the the particular pieces that um, if you want to know the background to this, um, well, first off, if, if you don't have any patience at all and you just want to know um, what I'm going to talk about, it's going to be there's, oral, there's an oral hearing tomorrow at the Oklahoma Supreme Court at the Capitol building that needs prayer and attention. Two of the larger uh, or m- urban, richer, uh, well-positioned churches have uh, – filed against the annual conference because it has seemed pretty clear to them that the conference has designs on keeping them in the fold, even though they would rather not be. So the particular stories um, I, I have told there um, are around Church of the Servant and First Church Oklahoma City. I did an interview with Hardy Patton where he told First Church's story. I, I reported on um, the, the court proceedings around Church of the Servant as well. And then I also told my story about um, being called to the bishop's office and kind of the power dynamics at play in the Oklahoma Annual Conference. So all that to say, you know, I've kind of laid the stage for you to understand this picture much more fully, uh, if that's something that you want to do. But if you're if you're more of a Cliff's Notes person, then the main thing that I'm going to talk about here is going to end in uh, advocating for people to pray. For the Oklahoma Supreme Court justices tomorrow, as they hear oral arguments, and then I'm going to ask for people who live close to actually try and attend the hearing at um, at 10 a.m. at the state capitol building. So that's that. If you if you want to just uh, know what's coming, that's what's coming. So uh, I do need to recapitulate some of the history here and kind of contextualize um, what's going on. So the uh, the setting is there's going to be a supreme or a, uh, a new special called conference, a final special called conference for the Oklahoma churches that want to disaffiliate. And it's going to be called – it's going to be a two-day thing. I don't know how they're going to stretch this out over two days, but it's going to be uh, a week from Friday uh, for two days. And so here's the agenda that they have scheduled, and they're going to be looking at 59 churches – that these top ones in red have gone through the 2553 process. My understanding is that these ones at the bottom have gone through the 2549 process, and so that they're looking at closing these bottom churches uh, and, and selling them back to the congregations and then th- going through a proper disaffiliation process for these top ones. Now, if you have followed along with how things have gone in Oklahoma, you know that things have been kind of hostile. uh, The last round that they had, whenever my churches were allowed to disaffiliate, there were many voices saying, don't let them out, vote them down. Uh, If they want to leave, they can leave without their assets. Um, At that point, we had, um, let's see, in total, uh, over 80 churches have left. I want to say around 80 churches have left that were conservative or didn't want to be a part of the Oklahoma annual conference anymore, including St. Luke's, which actually is a liberal congregation, but they said, we, we don't want anything to do with this anymore. We're out. So that that's to say 80 churches, their clergy and their lay delegates that would be sympathetic for churches disaffiliating are now no longer in the mix. So the, the percentage of, uh, uh People voting to allow churches to disaffiliate in November of last year was pretty high. Whenever we took our vote in April earlier this year to allow uh, my, my cohort of churches to, to disaffiliate, that passed by a much smaller margin. It remains to be seen if they have the goodwill to even get out. So in this context of heightened tensions in the Oklahoma Annual Conference, we have two churches, Oklahoma City First Church and Oklahoma City Church of the Servant, both good locations for a new conference office building, because they're looking at selling their their other one, um, the one that they're currently in. Um, Now, I don't mean to say for sure this is the only reason, but uh, First Church was not allowed to go through the disaffiliation process uh, in good faith. They were subjected to a process that the The conference invented out of whole cloth only for them. No other church went through it. This was substantiated in court, and then the conference refused to even see the process through on the timeline that it proposed. And so when First Church realized that they were getting taken for a ride, they filed uh, to protect their assets against the annual conference. Um, Church of the Servant was guaranteed a second vote after their first vote, uh, with much interference from their superintendent, failed last year. But then... They refused to actually let them take a second vote for technical reasons that, that were technically true, but uh, it was disingenuous whenever they had been given assurances by conference leadership that they'd get a second go. So they filed just to be able to, to vote. Uh, so they did kind of in what they're doing and what they did in North Georgia filed against the conference just to have them abide by the provisions that are spelled out in the Book of Discipline. So both churches filed against the annual conference. Both court cases were represented um, by the same lawyers representing the church, the same firm representing the annual conference, and then the uh, same district court judge, uh, Timmons, uh, ruling on both cases, ruling in favor of the churches. In both cases, You know, I went through the rulings. Yeah, I, I've done this too. I went through both rulings by Judge Timmins explaining her rationale as to why the conference was not in good standing, why, why it was obvious to her that, that the conference was not participating in good faith. So um, each of those cases was handled individually, but um, there have been kind of some weird things that have happened along the line. So uh, let me make sure that I've covered everything that I wanted to. Okay, so, okay, I wanted to make sure that I talked about developments. Uh, Both churches, First Church and Church of the Servant, are seeing this thing through. Um, First Church is held strong. Church of the Servant, it's been a much harder go. The the annual conference put two clergy there that seemed to be somewhat neutral, but the other clergy who'd already been there and helping lead the congregation through this time have left and then the particulars of that. I've made some phone calls. I've, I've gotten some details. The particulars of it don't seem to matter very much, but it's not just them. It's uh, uh, office staff and administration for the church. They, too, have left um, seemingly really frustrated and discouraged, and so now um, they've they've just got the two conference-appointed clergy that are there, and then they've also got Uh, a retired clergy who is actually active in that congregation for a long time, who's older now, and he's openly and vociferously advocating for them to stay UMC. So there's a younger contingent that realizes the conference has eyes on them and and wants to use them. But then the older contingency, uh, this is what we're seeing around the country, is those who were raised in a previous era cannot conceive of an institution that they have trusted not being trustworthy, changing to the degree that, that the relationship could actually be predatory. They just cannot conceive of that, they're hostile to the idea. And so you have this contingency, um, not, uh, constituency, excuse me, in Church of the Servant that's, that's wearing them down. And of course, the conference's strategy is to wear these churches down, prolong things legally, make things cost more money, um, it's it, it is what it is. Uh, first Church is standing strong. Church of the Servant. If someone from that church is watching, you need to stand strong. Um, the worst thing in the world would be on to be on the side of right, and then just not have the courage or the energy to see it through. So, I, as I'm praying through this, you know, I've prayed for Church of the Servant a few times that they galvanize around the reality that they're in rather than the fiction that they, they wish they were in. So anyway, um, there's been some irregularities on the court level, the, the state court level, um, because, of course, whenever Judge Timmons ruled in favor of the local churches, the the annual conference was not content to let it go. They appealed the rulings to the Supreme Court. Timmons had had uh, created very interesting Uh, contingencies for both churches to get what they wanted, and then it looked kind of like they were going to be compelled to have a special called conference just for First Church, where uh, uh, delegates who had been able to vote previously but had disaffiliated would be allowed to come back. It It was a crazy situation, but the Supreme Court got involved. And then there have been some weird developments since then. One is this document that I'm uh, hopefully showing on the screen right now, which was filed on August 4th pertaining to an oral presentation that dealt only with First Church, I believe, and that was uh, scheduled on August 22nd. Usually, according to the precedent of um, the way that Oklahoma State Supreme Court does things, there, there's a position called the referee that is effectively a middleman between Uh, counsels for both sides and the Supreme Court justices. Supreme Court justices don't get involved until actual uh, court proceedings go on. But in this case, my understanding is that this document effectively removed the referee from the middleman position and that the Supreme Court justices handled it directly, Um, which is weird. What's to be said about this? other other strange developments. Um, two of the Supreme Court justices have recused themselves for some reason. I'm reminded of the case in um, Arkansas with the Jonesboro uh, Church where something like 11 justices uh, recused themselves. It didn't go up to the Supreme Court. They just needed a judge to hear them, and, and several judges said they couldn't do that. And this is very odd to me. I don't know why Supreme Court justices would... Think themselves unable to hear a court case on, well, essentially what it is is First Amendment protections of freedom of religion versus neutral principles uh, law around handling of property. So both sides, you know, what what the churches are arguing is that under neutral principles, a worldly court can and should get involved to protect um, churches that are getting preyed upon by a larger organization. And then the the annual conference is arguing this is a First Amendment issue. The state has no right to get involved. We can do whatever we want here, get out. So that's why it's going to the Supreme Court, and that's why this matters. That's why I'm reporting on this. It has implications. I mean, this could hypothetically get referred up to the U.S. Supreme Court if it has First Amendment implications. And there's good reason to think that the Oklahoma Annual Conference would pursue that route, um, for fear out of what precedent it sets. But that, that really escalates things. So um, has, is that the only the weird stuff that's, that's happened? Um, no. There was uh, to be uh, a hearing at the end of last month for Church of the Servant, but it was canceled last minute by a Supreme Court. They decided to, to wrap both uh, church cases up in one, tomorrow which is why i'm reporting on it today it's it's we need to pray we need to to have people show up but they the referee was in charge of letting them know that it had been canceled the referee let the church council know that it had been not canceled but postponed and combined and then the referee did not let the the council for the churches know which is highly irregular so based on that piece of information and the previous document I showed you where the referee was kind of counted out. That leads me to believe that there's some kind of politics going on in the Oklahoma Supreme Court where the referee position has become problematic for one reason or another. There also seems to be some kind of something going on with the justices. So my understanding is that tomorrow at the oral uh, hearing. There is going to be nine. There are going to be nine justices present. The two that recuse themselves have been replaced. So here is the actual um, document on the website oscn.net, Oklahoma State Courts Network, um, and then it's it's talking about um, the the nature of. You can just pause it and read the document if you want to. But who the different parties are involved, and then um, what I was going to advocate was if you're in the area going over there before 10 a.m. It, it begins at 10 a.m. tomorrow in the courtroom of the Oklahoma Supreme Court located on the second floor of the state capitol. So get over there if you can also you'll see at the bottom here there's going to be a live stream so I've got that pulled up here you, and uh, it'll be uh, on tomorrow so I think I'm going to record that I don't know if I'm gonna, I don't think I don't know if I can legally live stream it I think I can. Uh, fair, under fair use stuff. I might look into that. But um, it, it looks like things are, are going to get moving tomorrow and the implications are going to be really big. So um, what else is there to say about that? I think it's just my hopes for tomorrow. My hopes, it's hard to know what to hope. It's hard, you know, I did a an interview with a lawyer on law, and I'll, I'll try and remember to, to overlay that so you know what it looks like. Um, it's hard to say what the long-term implications of a ruling in favor of the local churches would be. I, in a previous segment, kind of uh, chastened the annual conference for doing this such that litigation would even be pursued. If, uh, if the annual conference were authentically Christian, I would expect that they would Simply let churches go that are not willing to be. I I, I just cannot fathom a Christian body coercing and compelling unwilling participants to be participating under threat of having their assets seized. It's just such a crazy time we're in. People have lost all discernment. So anyway, as I'm praying, I'm praying that Church of the Servant and First Church get a fair deal, that the Supreme Court justices, all nine of them, are fair and balanced. Um, it's my reading of, of Romans that worldly courts have been granted authority to interfere whenever the church has lost discernment. And so my prayer is, is not that anything supernatural would, would happen, although that'd be cool, but it, it's more just that they would have common decency and common sense, that justice would be served, and it it seems pretty evident to people who are not too close to this thing that Local churches shouldn't be threatened or co- coerced in this way. Church of the Servant deserves a fair vote. First Church also similarly. Well, they, their vote that they took, their straw poll, Timmins acknowledged, but they need a, a fair uh, to be brought before the annual conference. So hypothetically, based on the ruling of, well, if they even rule tomorrow, I'm not sure they will. Um, I think partly what we're praying for is a quick ruling, so that those two churches can move forward and be considered at this final special called conference for disaffiliation, otherwise the Supreme Court—I I don't even know what could happen here. It's just—it's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's rare. So, um, you know, my my prayers are that uh, the justices perform well, the councils perform well, justices serve served, truth. Um, is 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 spoken and that if there are problematic personalities in the mix say if if the referee is an issue that that uh any any persons that are so too close to it ideologically to see with clear eyes that they just don't play a role and that that people can look at this dispassionately and that whatever happens on the other side of it that um people are brought closer to christ jesus on the other side of it I've said it once or twice before, I don't agree with people that litigation necessarily turns people off to Jesus or the church. I don't think it's necessarily a bad witness for Christ. I think whenever people in churches are willing to lose money, status, comfort for the sake of what's right, that actually means that we're people of principle. You know, uh, What kind of model does it set for the world that we're just never willing to lose anything for our faith, uh, we're never willing to stand strong if if it could hurt us. That that mm, I think I think the church needs, the church, global universal needs local churches that are willing to stand strong, even if it could get them hurt. So I'm I'm personally you know even I'm sure that that both churches have said and done things that I would not feel good standing by, but. I don't want to live in a world where churches don't stand against coercive institutional power. I, I think the church is called in such a time as this to insist upon truth and justice and righteousness, even when uh, the parties are insisting that against are also claiming to be churches. I just think whether or not we want it to, I mean, who cares what we want? This is the time in history that we're in, so um, I've, I've previously acknowledged that while reading the Bible, it's hard to justify going to a worldly co- court for justice against uh, another group that claims to be Christian. I acknowledge that. But even so, um, I guess I'm more worried about what happens if, if um, anyone can just claim to be a, a Christian organization and get away with whatever they want to do. I, I think the proof is in the pudding. And um, I guess I'm not very worried about local churches challenging that, um, so there's a lot that, that can spin out of this. God is in control. Uh, I think my 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 undergirding prayer is just that um, that the Christians involved would actually behave like Christians. Wouldn't that be nice? And that's not to say that they'll all agree, but that when they disagree, that they're not unnecessarily disagreeable, and that they can not hold worldly things so tight remember it's the love of money that is the root of all evil and if we want to act like that's not a factor here then uh you're in denial that's crazy i think that was mostly all i wanted to say today a final exhortation just to um show up if you can if you're close show up tomorrow the the more people whose eyes are on this the the better i think and then you know watch watch the the live stream Of the court case, and then if I end up uh, restreaming the live stream, then then pay attention to that because I would like to think I have some some good stuff to offer. If you want to know more of uh, uh, my analysis, then uh, I'll try and link to all the different previous pieces that I've done in the show notes here, as well as the the websites I've I've uh, cited in this. If you want to check that stuff out, Um, a a final note, just kind of a housekeeping note. Um, I'm doing uh, a form of of sharing information that, to my knowledge, nobody else in uh, the Methodist sphere is doing very regularly, very reliably. I have a pretty good body of work built up at this point and a pretty good track record so far as my analysis goes. So um, I, I've wanted to make this a, a, a something that's sustainable fiscally, uh, hire some other people to, to make it a, a higher quality thing and hire uh, people here to, to do some of my pastoral tasks. I want to be of service to the Methodist movement uh, for several years into the future, and so that requires money. But I'm not feeling really good about the putting ads all over everything, whether you're listening on the podcast or you're watching on YouTube. I, I just don't like that funding model, so um, I'm going to back off from that for a time, and I want to ask you to consider going to uh, my church website, noautomethodists.org, and um, considering making a one time gift or a regular gift to the Plainspoken uh, podcast, or uh, go to locals.com and find the Plainspoken community there and fund the ministry that way. But um, I, I'm thinking that's how I want to go forward doing things. We'll see. I'm not making any commitments. But for right now, I just, in order to do what I'm wanting to do fiscally, with advertisements, I mean, I would just have to be shoving things down your throats, and I I, I don't want to do that. I want to talk about Jesus. I want to talk about the Methodist heritage. I want to talk about the Bible. I want to talk about uh, ways that the culture war is impacting all this stuff. I just, I don't see any need to get worldly corporate dollars involved whenever we can fund this ourselves. So um, pray about it, pray about it, think about it, regardless of what you do with me, The the most important prayer is uh, for the two churches appearing in court tomorrow, for the Supreme Court justices and for the lawyers representing uh, the churches in the conference. All right, I'm going to call it to a close. Thanks for spending time with me. I'll see you later.